When you believe in something, fight for it. And when you see injustice, fight harder than you've ever fought before. What a great quote by Brad Meltzer. And also describes my next guest here on HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HEAL. Today on this episode, I have a lovely lady. We had a little pre-chat just now, and it was really cool to get to know her a little bit. Her name is Laura Joseph. She actually resides in the same state that I do, so it's so cool to have someone um, who lives somewhat close by. She is a healer, educator, speaker, intuitive, and a spiritual mentor. Hello, Laura. So nice to have you on. Hi. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for having me. You're welcome. Um, and thank you so much for being flexible with the time. I know that it was tricky yesterday, and I'm so glad that we were able to touch base today. Things always work out for the way. I always say things work out as they're supposed to. I know. I'm so <laughs> glad that they worked out that way yesterday. <laughs> so, I mean, so sore today for moving Britt. And by the way, my co-host Britt is not here. She's still waiting for her Wi-Fi to arrive. <laughs> so she, oh, no worries. So she, she can't jump on Zoom with us today. So welcome to the show. So glad to have you. I'm so excited to hear more about your life um, I had, I, again, we pre-chatted a little bit and I was able to hear so much, but I want the listeners to hear about your journey to where, how you got to where you are now. Um, so tell us, Laura, tell us, where did everything begin? I mean, you don't just wake up and as a five-year-old, I do teach kindergarten, by the way, and you, and you don't say, I'm going to be a healer. Well, maybe some, some kids might be that way. I can definitely see their aura when they're like that. But you don't wake up one day and just say, this is what I'm going to do. So what brought you to all of this amazing stuff that you've been doing, especially the healing and spiritual mentoring? I love hearing yeah. about that. So I guess to try to make it as brief as possible. Oh, you um, can make it as long as possible. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> so I grew up in a domestic violence household. I always oh. said my father was a loaded gun and my mother was the trigger because they were both equally as abusive. Um, with, you know, things like gasoline tanks put in the middle of our house and saying that they're going to blow up the house with all of us in it type of stuff. To then, um, Is that as being, far as you remember, how old were you when you first remember all of well, that? Well, I, I remember stuff as young as like maybe six. Yeah. Yeah. I find I forget so, a lot of things before the age yeah. of, I don't know, eight. And I, I, and I think it's easier to talk about that part because I didn't want my father to be vilified for some of the things because people can't, I do believe people can change, you know, um, especially if they were triggered in a lot of things. And, and, and when you have two people with oil and water that can equally um, be- But I also feel like, I feel like they both were doing what they thought was the best. I mean, I, that sounds so strange to say. Yeah. After what you just said about a gasoline yeah. in the middle of that saying, but you know what? There's a reason why they did that or he did that you know there's some some well yeah resemblance my, of, of hurting you know like something's happening where he need, felt like he needed to do that but as a six-year-old yeah. that doesn't mean that you know that doesn't yeah thought. yeah no no you know and uh well I mean I was kicked out of the house at like 11 put in the cold with no shoes no jacket 
you know, I mean, I saw, I got, and then I was about two blocks from my house. There was an attempted sexual abduction where I was accosted by somebody in uh, two blocks from my house and brought behind the funeral home and told me to strip down. I refused. So I I never told anybody until about, I think, till the Me Too movement, because I looked at myself as... Well, because you probably did something wrong to deserve that, right? Well, I didn't listen and you nothing you really pro- yeah. happened. You know, yeah. I wasn't penetrated, even though I was grabbed, I was groped, all those things. But then I was raped at 15 and that I, I even, so I lost my virginity to my rapist and um, in the same town. And um, so that was pretty hard. And I used to always say, I lost my virginity, not by my choice. I had a really hard time for over 40 years saying that I was raped. To then, um, you know, so when you don't heal the patterns of trauma and abuse, they keep cycling. So that's what I think I realized through the years is then my first job out of college, I was groped by my supervisor in training for, for a medical supply company. Yeah. And when I, when I went to, because the company said to do this, to, and all I said, could you just tell him to keep his hands off of me? He's married. He's got young children you know, he's grabbing me and he's actually leaving bruises on my body, you know, all these things. The next day I was fired, yeah. you know, to then marrying my abuser. Um, I, and I call him my abuser. I can't call him my husband. Um, where he set me up. It was all premeditated. Um, if you've met, met, married anybody from the island of Trinidad or any women out there that have been in a relationship with a Trinidadian man, a lot of us will know because I learned more about the Trinidadian man, I think, after divorce than I think I did when I was married to him. Right. Um, and a friend of mine just came out with a book saying the legacy he left me. And she's a Trinidadian woman talking about the abuses she grew up being a Caribbean woman. Oh, my God. And the patterns. So, you know, um, when I decided to finally leave, I think there was icings on the cake, like little things like. You know, I came home from the movies with my kids to find him sprawled on my sofa in my living room with a with a woman half his age, uh, not much older than my kids, um, in my pajamas and intimately. So did he <laughs> expect that you would be coming home? <laughs> well, he didn't care. And so this is where like gas, I talk about this actually in the book about some of these things that happened um, in a book called Feisty. Uh, it's, it's a collaborative book coming out in January, 2022. Uh, it's feisty, amazingly dangerous women uh, using their voices to make an impact. So my story is, is one of many in there um, because when, when I left, you know, we're told to leave and I was actually in the process of having my kids evaluated because there was some very disturbing behavior my children started be, uh, exhibiting that warranted an evaluation for sexual abuse. And um, somehow my ex-husband got word and he got ex parte custody by a judge who was moved from the bench six weeks later by the FBI. (gasps) When I mean my story is like a Michael Crichton novel, (laughs) I have been approached to make a movie on my story, (laughs) but I've been told to wait because I'd be in jail, which I ended up in jail anyway, trying (laughs) to seek justice, not just for my case. What I had, I had the help from legal experts and uh, from na- uh, nationally and locally who couldn't go on the record because they would be disbarred if you go up against a judge on how to get a judge who is granting custody knowingly to domestic abusers and sexual predators. And I had 20 solid cases involving 80 children. Oh my God. Um, 
where this one judge was granting custody. Uh, and yet he was the keynote speaker promoted by the state of Massachusetts for the Fatherhood Coalition in the state of uh, Massachusetts and was teaching incarcerated fathers on how to get custody of their children and highlighted stories. Uh, some of this I talk about in the book where this one father who was incarcerated for methamphetamine uh, manufacturing and distribution, how he got custody two weeks after, after uh, being incarcerated. And yet he denied 95% of restraining orders in his courtroom. So oh my gosh. Um, when I was doing that research because of that, I didn't know I had a target on my back because right. we were trying to get him removed from the bench. So he ended up recusing himself, admitting bias in my case. I didn't know what I was being set up for. And next thing I know, I, I, a new judge was appointed and that judge threw me in jail. Yeah. Um, premeditated. I think I mentioned earlier before that I was seeking a restraining order against my ex-husband's lawyer because he was doing things and I had my, my old employer and everybody else backing me. It was crazy. Like, it's seriously like, like, you don't think this stuff actually goes on. And I'm like, why can't you just like, I know I was shocked, I was shocked when you told me this. I'm like, yeah, yeah like it's simple. Like you can do a subpoena do You don't have to impersonate me to try to get access to my employment records. So when did so the, because tell me of, how many years ago this happened? This, this, so when that happened, I was incarcerated May of 2013. I was seeking a restraining order. I think either it was either April or May of 2013. So it was only like two weeks. Like there was a two week difference between the two. So can I ask and, a question? Can I ask yeah. you a question real quick? So during all of this time, 2013 and, you know, before, and, and were you in, you know, just to bring it back to um, when I introduced you as a healer, intuitive, spiritual mentor, were you doing all of that stuff then? Or did you come into yes. it after this? So I had been, well, people started approaching me when they started here and I would be doing health expos because I didn't start, I did have another business Yeah. and people would be approaching me saying, oh, I heard, I heard about your name. Do you do X, Y, and Z? So next thing I know, so me doing healing work and, and doing healing work specifically for trauma yeah. wasn't something that I set out to do. It was something that people sought me out for. It came to you? <laughs> yeah. And I even tried to start a nonprofit in 2010 or 2011 uh, called Massachusetts Survivors Outreach, um, which was for domestic violence victims. I wanted, because at the time, what I noticed is that there wasn't free resources for healing for victims, specifically for trauma and victims of domestic violence. Right. Um, and shelters at the time weren't offering that. And nope. so I thought that there was, that was something that was broken. Unfortunately, because of, of this, the judge that took over my case and the fact that she threw me in jail for $400, <laughs> when I told her it was en route with Department of Revenue, she didn't care, even though I explained why I wasn't cutting a check because I didn't want my ex-husband having access to my banking and routing information, considering his history with money laundering. And, and he had embezzled my father's entire life savings and put my father in bankruptcy and got away with it. So it's like all these things and the judges didn't care. Um, so for $400, they sent me to a state penitentiary for 30 days Yeah, was the sentence. And then I had to do six months of community service for four days a week. But when you're trying to get a nonprofit up and running, you know, we couldn't make the rents. And so we had to scale back. And I felt like, um, so I still do the work. But I was not in it to spend 80% of my time trying to fundraise right. <laughs> to keep our doors open, you know, and I think it takes more community support. 
more dedication for something like that. I still have the vision and hope someday, maybe we can try it again um, yeah. with, with the right money. But now I just, I've been doing it ever since. And, you know, and I think the first time I did it, I think I did it for selfish reasons because I had a med spa where I was doing laser therapies and I yeah. donated a $3,000 laser package to a woman. Cause I said, let's, you know, cause I was still going to circles and I was hearing like the lack of confidence and the lack of self-esteem that a lot of these women were exhibiting. Mm-hmm. And I said, I and when you say money. circles, just for my listeners, when you say circles, do you mean healing circles? Do you mean mediumship circles? Do so you mean- they were, they were, they were domestic violence support groups. So it was more support, support group type things. Okay. So, oh, so you donated $3,000 to someone in. Yes. Yeah. And I'll never forget that day. That's actually actually what made me realize because probably because of my fight or flight that I was still in at the time that I thought I was doing it to make her better and whole. I did it because it was the one thing that my ex-husband couldn't take away from me. Mm-hmm. He took away my entire retirement account. He took away my home that I bought prior to marriage, he took away my kids that I haven't now seen for over 10 years. I, you know, he took away everything. I mean, I, he came to the marriage with nothing. I already owned a house. I owned a business prior to marriage and mm-hmm. he cleaned me out of everything. Classic, like parent trap movie, but roles reversed. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I realized like that feeling of making a difference in somebody else's life, he couldn't steal that joy from me. Right. So it made me want to do it more. And so that just propelled me to like basically do this to, you know, give the finger <laughs> to the system and be like, you're not finger. gonna steal my, <laughs> you're not gonna steal my joy. You're I don't care what you do right. to try That's to right. harm me or silence me. You're not gonna stop me from helping people. So what did you start doing to help other people other than advocate well, for? for women who have been. Yeah. um, I mean, I still, I still advocated until December of 2014 when that Supreme court case came out. Yeah. um, Where knowingly granted custody to a documented domestic violence abuser. Right. Right. And I couldn't do advocacy work anymore because I said that just gave case law to every abuser when 80% of victims of domestic violence are facing losing custody to either a rapist or domestic abuser. And if it's a rapist, you actually have a great, you know, let's talk about logic. You have a greater chance of losing custody to a rapist than you do, or a child molester, than you do a domestic violence abuser. <laughs> Those are the stats. It. I don't get it. So, and 58,000 children are legally trafficked by way of family court. So I did the advocacy still like in 2000, up until 2014, but in between, I was still running like healing circles. I was running spirit circles. I was uh, doing meditation groups and things like that, Um, you know, and even in 2000, and I also helped with certain uh, domestic violence kind of events, like one was like with the Rose Gala, and I helped with the National Coalition of Domestic Violence Conference, uh, not last year, I'm losing track of the years now. That's okay. That's (laughs) okay. Recently, um, they were in Providence. And so I got to meet a lot of wonderful people. And I love that organization because I think the challenge, what I found both as a survivor, as well as somebody who does the work is I'm kind of like the rebel. Like when we take government funding and government grants, we are beholden to not changing the system. 
And the one thing I liked about the National Coalition of Domestic Violence, they sat right on the front of the stage, I heard straight from the president's mouth, that because they don't take any government funding, they're gonna tell you what's wrong with the system yep. and why it needs to change. And one of the directors uh, from an organization out of Idaho was talking about the healing programs they were implementing after she took a two year sabbatical in India and how the domestic violence organizations in India were laughing at us saying how complacent we are. We do nothing but band-aids for victims of domestic violence. We don't actually do healing programs because we're not doing anything to change the culture or the system of abuse. Right. We just say leave, but we don't tell victims that you have an 80% chance of losing custody or never seeing your kids again if you leave. You know. And the majority of women that have addictions are, are a direct result of the system failing to protect them from abuse. Right. So when we add all these layers of like the addiction crisis and we look at mass shootings, right? Yeah. How do we heal the culture of abuse when we have judges that are sitting on the bench every day? We just saw it here in Massachusetts, right? Where the woman that was murdered, found murdered, was because a judge denied her restraining order just days earlier. <laughs> like, and it's, and it's gotten worse, you know? And, and it's, when you hear these stories, there's one woman that's a friend on my Facebook page that is, hasn't seen her kids in six months and they, she just posted, I think yesterday or today, that she's being threatened with incarceration because she posted a video that's not hers, basically showing the abuse of this judge and the link between her, this judge to the, her husband. It's abuse How of power. She, I mean, there's so much. There's so much. And, and it's not to say that. So one of the things that helped me, we talk about spirit. So one of, one of the pages I run on Facebook is Healing Trauma Through Spirit. And one of the things that I say that helped me with healing is really when humans failed me, when the shelter failed me, when my assault and battery records and the crime photos of all the bruises literally disappeared out of the police department, okay? So he couldn't be charged. So my faith in humanity, my faith in the system that we're all told is supposed to, we're supposed to have laws that are on the books to protect us, right? failed me where do you go I went to spirit and I started asking saying like this is too surreal I can't believe that like this is happening to me why is this happening to me and and that's when I started getting signs I call them signs from spirit and and I started listening and following the signs and letting those signs guide me over the last 10 years the first one started in 2009 when I had a change of lawyers and, yeah. and, and I go, oh, it's another male lawyer. Like, what am I going to do? Like, oh my God, I go, Spirit, I need a sign. I need a sign. I need a sign. And two hours later, I was crossing this bridge and there were two angels in the sky. And I didn't see them with the naked eye. Something just told me to photograph them. So of course I did with my cell phone back then. <laughs> I took a photo and I'm like, oh my God. And you can see clearly in that photograph, there were two angels in the sky. And I go, you can't, it's a, my favorite hashtag. You can't make this shit up. No, you can't. <laughs> okay. And, but that is what kept me, I guess, alive. And then if you can stay alive, then you can work on the healing. Yep. And when you can be, work on the healing, then you can become whole, right? Yep. So that's kind of what led me to this. And now it's like people, I even had a friend of mine say, Laura, you ought to convert your website and just, just specialize in trauma. I go, I can't because 
probably the majority of the people come to me. Like I have one person that came to me because they had a knee, a second knee replacement in the same knee that didn't take in a year. And I said to them, so let me ask you, this might be a bizarre question. Did you have any traumatic experience in your life? Because needs are all about fear of moving forward. Yeah. So what happened? And this is, a first of all, a male, somebody in their 70s. Like, yeah. I'm like they may not get where I'm going. <laughs> I know, right? They didn't, even bat, they didn't even bat an eye. They go, I, was I just love some of the questions that I ask when I, when I learn about yeah. the physical things. And I'm like, and, and of course, right. yes, knees are moving forward. And it's like, right. So it's like the knees, right? And they go, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's easy. I, um, I was in this XYZ war. And the first child I had was a stillborn. And well, when did you develop the knee issue? Oh, well, my son and daughter are trying to have a child and their first child was, was a miscarriage. That's when they developed the knee issues. Yeah. So, so this is why like, I'm not against allopathic healthcare. I come from, I worked in healthcare. And the thing is, is like, it's, it's, it's got to work in tandem. And one of the things I've learned with my Japanese teachers is we're made up of three bodies. And when there's trauma, it's knowing which body is it afflicting. And it might be one, it might be two, or it might be all three. And I, and I used to use when I was running the domestic violence organization, is I said, if we're like a three-legged stool and we're trying to heal something, we're trying to heal our PTSD, but we're only going to a psychotherapist and we're getting pills from our primary care or vice versa, we're seeing like a therapist and we're seeing our pastor, right? But we're not dealing with our physical stuff. Yeah. If we're not addressing all three layers, then we can't become whole. And that became very apparent to me, especially like with myself, when I started realizing and started feeling like the resistance with the healthcare and dealing with that and then working with people, working in groups, you know, and running like, you know, I started actually just running meditation and mindfulness things and law of attraction things in the battered women's shelter. It was all by accident. I didn't go see. No, it, it wasn't. Just, it wasn't. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, I didn't go, oh, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to start a nope. business, which I think right. is a big mistake when people go, oh, I went and got the certificate. Now I want to go get it. Now I want to start a business. Yeah. That's not how it works, folks. <laughs> That's I how it works for me. <laughs> But I mean, like, it's like you wake up and it's like, it just shows up like, yeah. and it's funny. Cause like every time I try, well, to I, I always to say that, model, I always say that Reiki and, um, and meditation showed up just when I needed it. And I, you know, practice it and then became trained in it. And yes, then I started yeah. my business. So it worked for me. Right. So it's like, you have, so like, it was, it was like finding how to fix you. Right. And the next thing you know, it's like you had a business. Cause it was like, Oh, now what do you do? Right. And I laugh because every time I try to go back, well, geez, I need to do this and implement this in the business structure. I fail, fall my face when I go back to just doing what I know how to do. People just somehow find me and I go, this is very interesting. You know, like I had the opportunity to go to Columbia recently because when my dad died a year ago, um, I was in the process. I had just got my edits back from my book on the secrets to healing, healing the roots to chronic illness and trauma using this Japanese system that I, I've been trained in. Yeah. And, um, but I could not for the last year, like I couldn't even read the edits. I could not get into that space. No. So when I had the opportunity to go to this writer's retreat and I was like, oh my God, I'm going. I didn't even bat an eye. I'm like, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. Like, this is what I need. And next yep. thing I know, not only am I doing that, but I'm doing the intro before that book comes out. 
to actually the hard stuff of my story, which is how I was incarcerated without ever being, without basically it's the system and how do they silence people like me, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and how do they discredit? Because if they try to discredit, so when I was asking like about hysteria, right? It's the old way if we can make victims of domestic violence look hysterical, then we can discredit them and, and put them in an insane asylum or in today's society, it's not the insane asylum, you put them in prison, mm-hmm. okay? For their well-being, or because they're not, you know, it's the old saying like, good girls, right? You know, don't make don't make history, right? Right. <laughs> so it's their way of silencing us. But um, I just learned so much from people that were there, and just the stats of of how many are there for the wrong reasons. That they were there as a legal tactic. Um, and, I, and I'll never forget the 26 year old girl. I go her life. I, I, I pray to God she is able to access the healing that she's going to need. But knowing the system, whether it's through psychotherapy, through the traditional medical system, it's not there. They're not equipped to treat trauma. No, they don't know how to treat trauma. And it's nice to see like with Stephen Borges and, and all of them coming out like the with with in, you know and the body keeps score and all i was just going to ask you out. about that if you had read that yeah i still haven't even read that book completely. oh even though even though i've even you know, though it, everything them. that no everything that you're saying isn't is is illustrated in that book just yeah validated i mean in that book. so if you haven't yeah. read it it's a really great book to read but um i'm a horrible reader <laughs> i don't read i listen on audible i can't I, okay. i'm still waiting for audible to advertise on the podcast just kidding yeah but, um, yeah, but I, I mean, I highly, I, I did hear, because the first time I heard about that book, I had a client that, and I have psychotherapists that have referred clients to me, and they go, you know, it's every single do, thing that you're talking about with your yeah. um, history, and, and how you, you said your children, they have a percent of, you know, being in an abusive relationship or in prison, incarcerated, 58%, be, or I think whatever the number, 53, 58%, um, well, 50, all 53. of yeah, 58,000 uh, 58, children are legally trafficked by way of family court. So right. when you think of every mass shooting, but their the chance, their the likelihood of their likelihood of becoming incarcerated, um, I think, goes up. You had mentioned earlier um, is also addressed in that book, and yeah. of course the so ACEs score yeah. and the traumatic experiences that yeah. children have growing up. So um, 53 percent of the women incarcerated basically were failed by some judge failing to protect them from a domestic abuser or a rapist. Mm-hmm. So think about that. 53%. That's so crazy. then we add, then we add what it costs for the taxpayer to incarcerate these women instead of getting them the help. Right. 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 And then, and then we look at the system bias. So again, we look at the, how hysteria was right back in the day, we just threw them in an insane asylum. Now we throw them in jail, you know, and it's straight off the script, as I put in the book, straight off the script from the 1944 movie Gaslight, you know, which has been a term that has been kind of thrown all over the place <laughs> in the past year. But I don't think people really realize or they take it seriously. Right. You know, like in my Japanese teachings, you know, we, we say that words have spiritual power. And I go, what does that really mean? So I talk about this in the healing book. about What does that really mean? Like we hear this. But I, like I hear sometimes from my Japanese, they go, Americans talk too much. And I, I had to sit and think about what does that really mean? Because I think we spew so much so fast. We're not really paying attention to the energy that's being left behind. Or the we're energy not, that we're, we're putting out when we say we're those putting things. putting out when we say it. 
And so, you know, I created a course on that too, where it's, it's called the power, it's called the three power, how to harness the three secret powers. And it's, it's how to harness the power of the word, the power of the pause and the power of processing all through using this Japanese system. And cause I had to really think about that. I'm like, yeah, we hear law of attraction. We hear words become things, but I think it, you know, my thing is like, we hear that, but we don't know the how. So where's the breaking point? Where's the how? And I know as a trauma survivor and working with people with trauma, because almost everybody comes to me, whether it's like a knee replacement or back pain, you know, it's, it's somehow rooted in trauma, which is why I said I can't just make it all about trauma because people of them would be like, well, I can't go there because she specializes in trauma. I don't have trauma. Yeah, we all have you know? trauma. Yep. Right. But it's yeah. how is it, how is it, if you've had cancer, you know, if you've had, like, I think, I think a hundred percent of the people I've worked on and it's almost over 50 people, I've worked over 50 women, a hundred percent of those I've worked on with breast cancer, for instance, had uh, some connection as a victim of either child abuse, sex abuse, or domestic violence, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I look at that and healing, like I've healed. I was told I needed a hysterectomy. Guess what, ladies? I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> and I even said to my doctor, I go, well, if this is PTSD related. My uterine issues, my hemorrhagic uterine bleeding and my clotting issues and the severe pain that I'm in. If that's PTSD and trauma related, how is a hysterectomy going to fix that? And they said, no, it won't. And I said, well, then I better fix the trauma because what I know, you may take away the organ, but my body's nervous system is still going to be searching for a missing organ and still going to give me the phantom symptoms. So it's not going to go away. No. And I was shocked when I I, um, was asked to partake in a domestic violence uh, wellness retreat last year. And I was shocked to hear, because I actually had, I'm postmenopausal, I had breakthrough bleeding while I was there. And I kind of laughed at it and go, oh, how interesting, how psychosomatic, right? From a somatic standpoint, like mentally, I'm fine. But something just being in being around domestic violence, right, my body got triggered. And it That's triggered so interesting. spontaneous bleeding. That's so, so interesting. I, so when we broke for lunch, I came back and talking to these women. And I said, and hearing some of them say like, yeah, one wants to do a hysterectomy. And the other one's having issues. And I said, hmm, I'm thinking after lunch, we may need to use this. I'm going to talk about this because I use my story as a, as a gateway, you know, as, you know, when you're going to your doctors, having a surgical procedure isn't always the answer. Not unless you got something like serious, like fibroids, you know, which yeah. definitely might require a surgical procedure. But if you're having these things, if we can work and find the right people who are trained in trauma, tra- you know. I'm not formally so-called trained in trauma, traumatic, somatic therapies, you know, but I, I am in like my Japanese teachings. And I am in studying with my father who's an osteopathic physician for 30 years, you know, and, and I am in going to all these trauma trainings, you know, for the last 15 years. Like, right. it's just, you know, um, I'm hoping with my addiction counseling certificate, I can eventually get the title of. <laughs> oh, well, sometimes it t- 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 doesn't matter you know? as long as you're ethical and you, you know, suggest. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, no. you know, I, I work, you know, a lot of times you have to have, and I always say, it's not always what happens here with me on my table or in my office. It's what happens at two o'clock in the morning. And it's knowing, I think a lot of trauma survivors don't know their processing. I think a lot of that, like sometimes they go, well, why can't you just put your hands on me the first time? Why can't you just do this the first time? I go, because I need to know how you're going to process it. If you don't even know how you process something. Mm-hmm. We need to figure that out first before we go and start doing all this deep healing work. Cause I know what that's going to do. 
mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that you're safe. <laughs> and it's not so that safe from the, what we're going to do. It's I want to make sure that they're not going to have a breakdown. Right? There's a reason why certain healing modalities are not done in a rape crisis center or about a women's shelter. It's because usually good intentioned healers don't know when to take their hands off. Right? They don't know when to take their hands off and hold the space and hold the container and know how to guide somebody through their pro- actual processing and their mechanisms. And that's a different skill set than say, oh, well, I know what this is going to do for you. <laughs> right? It's different because I've even seen it with meditation. I had, I had, a, I had a, a 911 operator once come into one of my meditations and she called me ahead of time. And she's like, she's been to yoga. She's done all these things. And every time she would go in, it would trigger a PTSD episode and hypervision. She would have to run out of the room. And I said, well, it might be a matter of finding the right teacher, mm-hmm. the, right the right location. The type of meditation. Or the type of meditation, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I noticed she sat at the last spot next to the door, literally within five feet of the door and she came in and I noticed a change in her breathing. So I shifted the, I shifted the meditation where we were going. And um, at the end, she said, whatever you did, she's like, cause I was like one click away from wanting to run out, whatever you did, I shifted and I was able to bring down. Cause sometimes when, when you're dealing with somebody with trauma, when it triggers a relaxation response, it also can trigger a, a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, as I think this is the mistake that a lot of healers might make sometimes. They go, oh, but they're going to be fine. They're in a safe container. Well, that might be so. But if you don't know how to guide somebody who's going through a fight or flight currently and, and, and knowing how to recognize the cues, that could be problematic. Because mm-hmm. I also am the one that I will get people coming in from other healers and saying that they had, I had one person that went and saw a Reiki practitioner that was told by the Reiki practitioner that the trauma wasn't really real. It was, was a figment of their imagination. They were raped. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not, so it doesn't it's sound like, right. No, so it's like knowing. So I always say, I say that the healers know your skill set good intentions and all, and please get trauma trained. And it doesn't take much to do it. Yep. Um, and for people that are looking, make sure you know who you're going to that you're going to be able to feel safe with. You absolutely have to build a nice relationship with the people who you're treating and the person who comes in needs to feel comfortable and safe. So it's That's important so to create that for the huge. person. Mm-hmm. You just hit the nail on the head, safety. Yeah safety trauma or no trauma and again you should treat everyone as if they've had trauma because you just don't know and they may not be ready to tell you so just be and the chances are after this pandemic we all all have it Mm. we all had it and it's just a matter of knowing just enough to how do you navigate that like i can tell you like i avoided um just by doing my own healing i avoided a hysterectomy (laughs) i avoided additional surgeries I even avoided a root canal and I avoided um, the need for two rounds of antibiotics for a urinary tract infection. So it's knowing, I think the big thing that I've learned in my journey and going in almost 20 years now is yeah, the somatic stuff, but it's knowing we have this thing called the neck. (laughs) We forget what it's supposed to do. It connects us from the mental body to the physical body right? 
And it's nice to see like doctors like Dr. Mark Hyman starting to talk about the second brain and all these other things and all these other, Dr. Mark, um, uh, what's his other name? Other doctors are talking about the second brain and the gut health, right? And because I'm like, yeah, because that's trauma, right? <laughs> right? And, and I say, like, when we can learn how to take and understand that the body has its own voice, but we have been conditioned to turn our power over, right, to the police departments, to the school districts, to now our healthcare system, and, and when it comes like even with this vaccine mandate, right? It's like, turn our power over instead of turning our power inward. We're getting there asking, though, Laura. I think yeah. that we're slowly getting there. I think that people are becoming more acceptance of, um, you know, different, for them, it's a different way of thinking. It might not be for you yeah. or me, but it is for them and they're more open. So I'm hoping that we are getting there. Um, it's nice to see like, even with psychotherapy, you know, it's nice. Like I'll say, go talk to your doctor about this. Cause I'm all about how do we triage it? Cause like, I can, I'm only limited in my skill set. So my job, what I always say with my client is how do we get like your therapist or your acupuncturist or your, your, your chiropractor, whoever it is you're working with, we're all working on the same thing together. And then we help you as a team mm-hmm. become whole, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that kind of like the key, right? And then you're right. It's so nice. I go, again, maybe the blessing of this pandemic is seeing like, why the healthcare system is broken. I mean, that, that's the thing. You have, to ha- you have to see it broken in order to know where to fix it, right? And so and we also like- all need to figure out how to get ourselves into that mindset and body feeling of, um, you know, so we're not in fight or flight. We're constantly in fight or flight, sitting here with you talking and waiting for Zoom to break down. I'm like on edge, not really, but, you know, like I'm just sitting here waiting and that's, you know, a bit of, um, stress for me, even though I'm really not right. that stressed, but you know, I'm just saying at any moment, this computer could shut off and then what do we do? You know, so I'm, I'm always thinking in that way. And I think that no matter what kind of meditation teacher or even a healer, I know we, we're all doing it with great intentions and hoping to help. Um, yeah. And I think, I, I do think that meditation, mindfulness, and all of that is coming to the forefront, just even just a little bit more. And yes, with the pandemic, people staying at home and trying to figure out what they could do at home. I, I really think that um, we're getting there. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're near where we need to be, but I do think we're we're slowly getting there. Um, it is so, so important. I say your body is designed to heal itself. Yeah. And it communicates with you when you yep. are in pain or when but something you, but aches. It communicates with you sometimes even when you don't even know it. So we do have to quiet yep. and we do have to listen, but we have to get to that point. And, and I will always push meditation and yeah. Yeah. And Reiki, kind of I mean, they're thing. all acupuncture. All these things are so wonderful. Like my, my Reiki teaching out of, out of Japan. I mean, it's, I've learned so much in deepening the teachings, you know, and understanding. I mean, I guess part of my teaching is, is also ego destruction. So, and part of the fight or flight is you, when you're in fight or flight, you're actually in ego mode. We don't even realize we're in ego mode. Right. Yeah. So it's, how do we, how do we, it so all comes down to, to awareness. To- it all just comes down yeah. to self-awareness, social awareness, awareness of others. And it's just, just becoming aware, aware of our body. Yes. It's connected to the head and the brain and just becoming aware. And it, and, and the more we can just spread the word of becoming aware, then um, 
people start to notice the body and start yeah. to notice the things that are not right. And I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I, 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 have, I, have, I have this belief that if we can heal the greatest epidemic we have seen, that it has been unrecognized, unhealed, unaddressed, unresolved trauma, we can heal anything. That's right. But we just need to be, keep talking about it. Yeah. Just need to keep talking about it. And I think the it. trauma word has gotten a little watered down. I think we have to really look and redefine what that looks like too, you know? And well, trauma is different for everyone. So right now exactly. it's the only word we can use, I think. Um, yeah. I might think that, you know, I've had the worst life growing up and you come around and tell me how you were incarcerated and I'm like, oh shit, uh, no, you know, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing on that. Um, but my, my, but it hasn't stopped me. It hasn't no, stopped me from no, talking. No, they thought no. it was going to silence me. <laughs> no, but my experiences are my experiences. So I, I exactly. have to validate them and say they were just as real and just as awful. They're as awful. And yours are awful because they happened to you. So um, every, yeah. And I, I think, think I, I think trauma is, I mean, that's the key, right? It's, it's, it's knowing how you process it. And sometimes, like I noticed with me, like, I felt like I was it's not always how you process was... it. I don't know if it's how you process it because I think a lot sometimes I, I, and maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying because yeah. I thought I've processed all of mine. And then just in 2017, I had this major breakthrough realizing a lot of things. And I'm like, oh mm. crap. I thought with all of my training, meditation, Reiki, you know, working on myself for all these years now thought I was in a really good place until then that little one more layer of onion came off and I was like oh the hell is that so, so you know like I, I thought I processed those things but here they yeah. are again. yeah so what I so what I have learned from doing the trauma work is and I get exactly what you're saying is I know like when I was training one one Reiki modality I was like okay you know I'm doing all this work and then I was like oh crap like you know um there's so much more and, and I need what, to and do <laughs> right because I think what happens is is that we heal what we're ready to heal at the time yeah yep yep and then and I was ready to, to face the, the other stuff I, I've right. said that since 2017 I was ready yeah you and know, this and year and, and this year the big things like what I say with, with spirituality when I, those uh, folks that follow me, I've been consistent. One, this is a change year in numerology. Two, um, this, this also means that it's, it's the balancing between the yin and the yang, the light and the dark. And, this, and we're healing not just our stuff, but sometimes a lot of our stuff that we're healing is ours. But what has been surfacing a lot for those who have healed our stuff is the generational stuff. Mm -hmm. And we got to realize how horrible some human beings have been for 500 years and what we mm -hmm. used to do to people like you know and we're really working like, on trying to heal it everybody it's a lot right <laughs> you know but it's like so these different layers come up because why because we're in an evolutionary period of time and i you know i think we all have different roles to play and it's knowing what our our role is some of us is to heal and be on the front lines and some people are there to hold the space you know and and, and, and I think that's the other thing is it's like, okay, universe, what is my role in this? Like, I know I got a big mouth. I can't just, even with all, I think, it's important, that, I think it's important that we honor and respect everyone who is trying to do any of, and all of that. Cause there's so many of us now, I think that are yeah. you know, trying and emerging. Listen, we have to take a quick break, just a quick one. Sure. But um, we'll be back in just a second. You guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. 
Thank you so much for joining us. I am back here with Laura Joseph. Remember our friend Laura, who was chatting with us about um, her journey to becoming an educator, healer, intuitive, and spiritual mentor. I wanted her to mention to you all the places where you can see her. If this is someone who, not see her, but maybe you can see her, but um, contact her. If this is someone who you connected with, her, her story is compelling and her, um, her offerings to help people with trauma is, um, is connecting with you. I'm sorry, I can't find the words now. I'm getting all That's okay. confused. Um, I want her to tell you where, where you can reach out and find her. Remember her, I have her website. It's laurahealingwithspirit.com. Now I will type all of this up in the podcast notes so you don't need to stop and write it down. I will make sure that I have it all. But Laura, can you tell everyone a little bit about where they can reach you um, if they wanted to sure. connect with you other than your website? Yeah, I mean, I'm on YouTube. We run, we just started, actually, I call it a webcast because I think I'm a little shy on the podcast stuff. <laughs> What's the difference? Um, you just record the I audio know. and it's all of a sudden it's a podcast. I know. So it's right now it's called Triggers and Spiritual Medicine. So I've, I've recorded three episodes. The first one was on by, the bystander effect. And I interviewed somebody, Kambo uh, Sati, who... Um, as a men's expert in conscious consent and talk about boundaries and teen sex abuse and what bystanders their role. That sounds um, really interesting. So that's called yeah. triggers and triggers spiritual. and spiritual medicine okay. is the program. And like the second one we did uh, was on healing from domestic violence with Laverne Gordon, okay. who has a book out called. Um, so we have that. And the third one we did on integrating trauma informed programs through uh, in the school system, actually. So that's going to be airing out next week, December 6th. Oh, I'd like to listen to that one. Okay. Yeah. And, and then you um, also have a Facebook page. Yeah. So I have a Facebook page. I have two Facebook pages. One is healing with spirit. The other one is healing trauma through spirit. And I'm also on Instagram with the same names. And um, I'm on YouTube, as I mentioned. And those are really the three biggies. So, um, I can give so you when a, you say I'm on Instagram with the same names, do you mean healing trauma through spirit and healing with spirit? Yeah. So a Laura okay. healing with spirit is the Instagram. I can give you a um, link tree link with all the links. Sure. If you would like. So I can give you that it might be easier. And sure. um, yeah. And then I'm going to be, I'm not sure which website that's going to be on, but I, got, I was asked to be part of the feisty book. Yep. So that um, book is called Feisty, Amazingly Dangerous Women Using Their Voice to Make an Impact. And that's yep. a collaboration of women. And then you yes. have your own book coming out and you're not sure when yet, right? You're still working yeah, on so it. Yeah. So we're targeting March, but after what I got from court last week, I'm not sure if I'll have time to complete the edits and everything by March. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. Um, but that is on Healing the Roots, uh, you know, it's um, Secrets to Healing, an Invitation to Healing the Roots to Chronic Illness and Trauma. Talks that sounds a more, more like a really great book. It, yeah, it's so something it's, everyone should read. Yeah, so that talks more about my healing journey. Yeah. Um, and my, the, my training out of Japan, uh, out of Kyoto, Japan. And um, so I'm, I'm blessed because my teachers have already read it. And one of them might even put a blurb in there. So I'm really Excellent. happy. Oh, that sounds so, great. Yeah. So it's really using the Japanese therapies. Um, and I do tie in some of the science to back up what I'm saying. It's usually using five sentences. Again, we think about words have spiritual power. So we think of kodatama. 
Kodatama meaning words have spiritual power. What does that mean? So we think of like, you know, Kyo Dakiwa, Karuna, Shinpai Suna, Kanchaste, Gyohagame, Yatoni, Shinsetsumi, which basically says just for today, do not anger, do not worry, be grateful, do your duties fully, and be kind to others. But what does that really mean? Do we just say them? Like, what does it mean to not be angry? I mean, Jesus, I have to tell you, every time I teach that in a Reiki level one class, I'm like, okay, let's stop and think about what that means. You know, like, it's just. So I actually wrote a whole book just on this. So you might be able to use it for your students and say, here, there's an an elaboration. Because what I found was like. I could take the whole whole day to teach that, I think. Yeah, because like what I found is like both as a Western Reiki, coming from being a Western Reiki teacher, and then studying with traditional Japanese teaching of Reiki, I even saw like a disconnect of how I, and it was nothing against my teachers. I think it's us as a culture, right? So I was like trying to figure out how do we teach these concepts to an American mindset when we go, yeah, 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 I got it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you yeah. sounded just like me. <laughs> right? So it's like, you know, so I was trying to figure out in the book of like, how do I really drill in like, why this is the broken piece yeah why this is like needs to be taken i mean in in japan they have two words for anger they just don't have one they be karuna and okuruna they karuna you know and i can go into a whole series about what that means too but that, that there's a reason why they don't have a, just one word for anger they have two yeah you know and they have different kind of we have many words meanings. for anger <laughs> yeah right <laughs> disappointment but, sad yeah, yeah. I could go on yeah. and on. I mean, I mean we like don't general, really, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, we, we talk too much. That's because we talk too much. We have too many right. words. Yeah. So like that's, you know, so those are the places really to find me, um, you know, Instagram and Yeah. And Facebook I'll list it all. Easiest, yeah, yeah. I'll list it all YouTube. in the notes. So listen, Laura, to just to close up, we have a few questions. I say we, like Brittany's still here, but she's here in spirit. We have a few questions that we ask all of the guests. So sure. I'll ask you those three questions. When you are feeling at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Well, usually when I'm at my most peaceful, it's coming off of when I'm not. So, um, and in a lot of times it's reminding myself, one of my breath, connecting with the divine that's all around me. And I don't mean just like the woo-woo-woo and the spirit in the air. I mean, the trees, the water, I was say the that. air, the ocean, the trees, the, you know, the, all, of, the, all yeah. of that, because spirit is in all of it. And in Japan, they call it kami. Okay. So um, it's spirit is everywhere. So it's knowing and, and connecting with that voice. So it's when all three of my bodies are in perfect alignment and all centered and grounded and rooted that I know mm-hmm. my peace. Yep. Okay favorite book that you would recommend for anyone of like a self-help type book or a book to so help pro- somebody so probably considering what we just talked about well feisty might be my number one thing coming out in january 2022 yes the, because there's a lot of stories on there from people that have done it and they're yeah. doing it um and the second one because of what we just talked about i would probably say the body keeps score yeah it's good i it's think really, that, you know, it's really good yeah. it's it's worth the read um or the listen because I only listen yes um those books I always say I think I've probably said this on my podcast almost every episode it's like I'll listen to it and if I really like it um and I want to start highlighting things I'll buy the book and just go through it um and I think I'm, another one would be which has been one of my favorites that helped me in some of my darkest days well 
also is by Frank Arjava Petter, um, who's actually probably the leading Reiki historian in the world. Um, so anything you know about Reiki history probably came from him. Cool. <laughs> he just happens to be, cool. um, he, his thing is he was shut down during the pandemic. So he combined his whole experience with living in an ashram with Osho in India to living in Japan for 12 years to all these experiences. And so this, it's probably my favorite book he's ever written. It's called <laughs> it's, is it's called is. Okay. And, um, yeah. Are you giving me three books? I, I think so. <laughs> but, so I don't know. I can't, I could never have just one. I need to right? cut her off soon. And I think the final one is, which is an old one that I think was one of the first ones that helped me. And that is A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. I mean, oh, that opened yeah. my, my world, yeah. my world to know. It's something that you can reread over and over and over yep. again. Yeah. You can, you can reflect, you can journal, you can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready for the last question? Yes. <laughs> okay. I think I know your answer. And again, I say this all the time too. After I get to talk to someone for a little bit, I'm like, I think I know what they're going to say. Um, if money wasn't an object, what would you do? I'd be open, opening sanctuaries yeah. for women to actually heal and retreat centers, but then yeah. to be able to come for not just a day, but for weeks, if not months to recover. Until they're ready. Because, because read, healing yeah. isn't, healing, healing from adrenal burnout, which is usually a consequence of like PTSD and complex PTSD and trauma. Um, you know, if you do it right every day, perfectly, you're talking six months recovery. So, you know, um, that's what they say, at least, you know, yeah. so I would love to have a safe place for people to come to heal. That would be fabulous. And I will join you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. It was so nice to have you on. It's so nice to meet you. Thank officially. you so much. I know. Oh, you're no, so it's a pleasure. Um, and uh, boys and girls who are listening. <laughs> I just went back to my teaching days for a second. Um, right. Laura Joseph, again, you can get her, her go to her website if you like, laurahealingwithspirit.com. I'm going to type all of the places where you can find her on social media and you can watch her on YouTube as well. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. And everyone else, I'll be back again in just a sec. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back, just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye. Bye.